0: You're listening to the English-language news of Khan, the
1: Israeli Public Broadcasting Corporation. It's 8 p.m. in Israel, Sunday, February 25th, 2024. In the headlines, talks on hostage deal resume in Qatar. Prime Minister Netanyahu says that the IDF will invade Rafah, and if a hostage deal is reached, the operation would only be delayed a little. Finance Minister Smotrich says he will oppose any hostage deal that would end the war. IDF Sergeant Oz Daniel, whose body was kidnapped in October 7th massacre, was declared dead and a funeral was held for him at the military cemetery in Saba. Israeli airstrikes target Hezbollah fighters as rockets and drones penetrate Israeli skies from Lebanon. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant says the strikes in Hezbollah would continue even if there was a ceasefire reached in the Gaza Strip and the weather slightly warmer. Good evening. This is Aryeh O'Sullivan with the news. On day 142 of the war, the IDF announced the conclusion of the focused operation in the Nasser Hospital in Khadunis. During the mission, unused medicines with the names of Israeli hostages were discovered as well as weapons. Some 200 terrorists and individuals suspected of terror involvement were detained. The army said in a statement that in the past week, the hospital received a shipment of hundreds of food portions and medical equipment in coordination with the international communities. A fuel tank was brought to run the hospital's generators. IDF forces continue to operate in the Khan Yunis sector in the south of the Strip and in the Zeitoun neighborhood in the north of the enclave. IDF forces have eliminated terrorists, raided terror infrastructure and uncovered weapon cases. In the past day, the Israeli Air Force struck several rocket launch sites the idf has announced that sergeant oz daniel a 19 year old soldier from Kfar Saba, was killed on october 7th and his body was kidnapped into gaza he was laid to rest he will be laid to rest tomorrow at the military cemetery in Kfar Saba. chief military rabbi eyal karim stated that according to halakha jewish law the findings that were found allowed a funeral to be held And the IDF has released the names of two fighters in the Givati Brigade Reconnaissance Unit who were killed in fighting in South Gaza yesterday. Staff Sergeant Ido Eli Zerhen, age 20, of Jerusalem. He was laid to rest this afternoon at the Mount Herzl Military Cemetery in Jerusalem. And Staff Sergeant Niria Beleti, 21, from Shevet Shomron. He was buried at the Military Cemetery in Netanya. An officer and two other soldiers from the unit were seriously wounded in the battle, and their families have been notified. Since the start of the war, the IDF has released the names of 579 fallen soldiers. Residents of the Gaza periphery and surrounding areas complain that despite the directive to return to their homes in some communities, there are several shortfalls in public transportation, options based uh, on buses and trains, making it... Difficult to do so and maintain a livelihood. Nativote resident Abihai Sheli, who is visually impaired and cannot drive a private car, told Khan that his daily commute to his job in Tel Aviv takes three hours each way because of the limited service. He said that tens of thousands of residents of the region face these challenges. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that he has given the IDF orders to invade Rafah. He told CBS's Face the Nation that the IDF brass was to show him the battle plans to eliminate Hamas in Rafah and the measures to be taken to clear away displaced Palestinians from the city.
2: I'm going from here to uh, a meeting with the general staff where they're going to show me this dual plan. Okay. A plan to evacuate uh, and a plan to... Uh, uh, dismantle of those remaining battalions so yes we uh, by the way we agree on this i mean we don't have to be prodded it's uh we're on the same page with the u.s on this because uh that's how we do it the reason you have that population in rafa is because we actually cleared them away from the other places the zones of combat zones that we had that's why they're there so now there's room for them to go north of rafa to the places that we've already uh, finished fighting in that's, that's where you're gonna basically move- what we're going to do
1: Prime Minister Netanyahu, he added that when we start the operation in Rafah, we will be only weeks away from complete victory. He also said that if a hostage deal was reached, the Rafah operation would be delayed a little, but it would come to fruition. And White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says Washington has made clear to Israel that it does not believe a major military operation should proceed in Rafah unless there is a clear and executable plan to protect civilians. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, Sullivan refrained from responding to a question if the U.S. is willing to withhold weapon sales as a means of pressuring Israel.
3: Let me ask you about Israel. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday announced that he will convene a cabinet meeting at the beginning of this week to approve the operational plans for action in Rafah, including the evacuation, he says, of the civilian population there. Has the president seen this plan? Has he been briefed on it?
4: He has not. And beyond that, Kristen, we have been very clear about our view here. We're talking about more than a million people who have been pushed into this small space in Gaza because of military operations elsewhere. It's also the area where all of the humanitarian assistance comes into Gaza to serve all of Gaza. And so we've been clear that we do not believe that an operation, a major military operation, should proceed in RAFA unless there is a clear and executable plan to protect those civilians, to get them to safety and to feed, close. and house them and we have not seen a plan like that
3: well is the president willing to withhold weapon sales until he does see the plan what's he willing to do in terms of leverage here
4: so i'm I'm not going to get into hypotheticals because at this time what we are doing is telling our israeli counterparts privately just as we are saying publicly uh, that we believe that this operation should not go forward until or unless we see that we haven't seen it but we're waiting to hear from the israelis on that front
1: white house national security advisor jake sullivan in the north the idf said that it struck a hezbollah terror cell hiding in a building known to be used as a headquarters for the iranian back group in the south lebanon town of belida the british-based syrian observatory for human rights reports that two hezbollah members were killed in a strike on a truck on the syrian lebanon border arab media reported that an alleged israeli airstrike occurred near the syrian town of kuseyar close to the lebanon border In northern Israel, rocket alarms sounded in several communities and Israeli air defenses intercepted a hostile aerial target over the Hula Valley. There were no reports of injuries. Earlier, several rockets fell in the Margaleot area. There were no reports of injuries. IDF artillery responded with fire toward the launches in Lebanon. A current reporter says that residents of Keachmona this morning discovered a broken-up drone that was apparently launched yesterday from Lebanon. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant visited the Northern Front today and declared that Israel intended to increase strikes against Hezbollah even if a temporary truce in Gaza is reached. Speaking during a visit to the Northern Command headquarters, Gallant said that Hezbollah was unable to find replacements for the commanders that the IDF has eliminated. The goal is simple, to push Hezbollah back to where it should be, either by agreement or we will do it by force, Gallant said. An IDF Chief of Staff Lieutenant General Hertie Levy in a situation assessment in the northern Gaza Strip last night, praised the fighters, and he said the troops' achievements in their operations will provide leverage in the efforts to release hostages. Well, contacts on hostage release deal, an Israeli delegation is expected to travel to Qatar in the coming days to continue negotiations. This following a weekend talk in Paris. Jerusalem is said to be optimistic on the possibility of reaching understandings before the start of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan in about two weeks' time. According to Khan, under the emerging deal, 40 to 50 captives, including women, women soldiers and injured, would be freed. Each captive freed would bring one day of a halt in the fighting, amounting to a truce of about six to seven weeks. Regarding the release of his terrorist imprisoned by Israel, for every hostage freed, ten terrorists would be released from jail. The understandings would also address a partial return of Palestinians to their homes in the northern Gaza Strip and rehabilitation of several parts of the Strip. Meanwhile, a senior security source told Khan that a hostage release in the near future will not prevent a ground operation in the Rafah area. Prime Minister Netanyahu told CBS's Face the Nation today that Hamas needed to make more reasonable de- demands if a hostage deal is to materialize but he declined to discuss the specifics. Listen,
2: Hamas started out with just crazy demands and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's uh, it's too soon to say if they're uh, if they've abandoned them but if they they do abandon them and get into what you call the uh, the ballpark they're not even in in the city. Uh, they're in another planet but if they come down to uh, a reasonable uh, 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 situation, then, yes, we'll have a hostage. I hope so.
1: Prime Minister Netanyahu. Following that interview, Sami Abu Zuhiri, a senior Hamas official, said Netanyahu's comments cast doubt over Israel's willingness to secure a hostage deal. He said Netanyahu's comments show he is not concerned about reaching an agreement. He accused the prime minister of wanting to pursue negotiations under bombardment and the bloodshed of Palestinians in Gaza. He was speaking to Reuters. Reuters. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan has confirmed that negotiators from the United States, Israel, Qatar and Egypt met in Paris and agreed to what a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas should look like. He was speaking on CNN's State of the Union.
0: I want to turn to the Middle East. There are reports that negotiators in Paris have agreed to the outline of a new deal between Israel and Hamas to free hostages in Gaza in exchange for a multi-week ceasefire. Can you confirm whether that outline has been agreed to? And if so, what does it look like?
4: Well, it is true that the uh, representatives of Israel, the United States, Egypt, and Qatar met in Paris and came to an understanding among the four of them about what the basic contours of a hostage deal for temporary ceasefire would look like. I'm not going to go into the specifics of that because it is still under negotiation in terms of hammering out the details of it. Uh, There will have to be indirect discussions by Qatar and Egypt with Hamas because ultimately they will have to agree to release the hostages. That work is underway, uh, and we hope that in the coming days we can drive to a point where there is actually a firm and final agreement on this issue, but we will have to wait and see.
1: You
0: used the word hope. Are you hopeful that this time there will be a deal?
4: Uh, you know, there's been a lot of toing and froing, so I'm not going to make predictions uh, and, and I'm not going to kind of put percentage chances on it. What I am going to say, though, is that the United States position in this is clear. We would like to see this deal get done. We would like to see the hostages returned, including American hostages. And we would like to see that temporary ceasefire, which will alleviate the suffering of the people in the Gaza Strip, uh, innocent okay. civilians, women and children. So we are telling everyone, including the Israeli government, that it, it is our firm position that every effort be exercised Mm -hmm. to get to this agreement, and then we can move forward from there.
1: White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Finance Minister Batello Smoltrich said he will vote against a deal that says all the abductees would be freed in exchange for the end of the war. He also criticized the management of negotiations, saying the price was unacceptable. Speaking at a conference in Jerusalem, Smoltrich said the first goal of the war was victory and creating deterrence, and the return of the abductees was the second goal. He said the best and safest way to return the hostages was through the continuation of military pressure. In light of the reports of progress and contacts on the hostage-release deal, Knesset member Avigdor Liberman, chair of the opposition Israel Batano party, warned against getting hopes up. Speaking to Khan, he warned that Hamas is a terrorist organization that uses the Israeli hostages as a psychological weapon. And Reserve Major General Amos Yadlin, a former head of the IDF Intelligence Directorate, says there is no doubt that a hostage-release deal will halt the planned Israeli military operation in Rafah. He told Khan that all the international pressure and the pressure on Hamas is so that there will be no military operation in Rafah during Ramadan, and for this reason there is some kind of uptick in the context to reach a deal. The question must be asked... We must be asking ourselves is, what happens after 45 days? Will the IDF enter Rafah to finish the job of dismantling Hamas, he questioned? The police internal investigation unit has opened a probe following circulation of a video from a demonstration on Calpin Street in Tel Aviv last night in which a mounted officer is seen striking a protester on the head with his reins, causing the man to fall to the ground. Five demonstrators were lightly hurt when the police used water cannons and mounted officers to forcibly disperse the protest. Twenty-one people were detained. A con reporter says two groups of demonstrators were caught up in the melee: anti-government protesters demanding new elections, and the families of hostages walking from the weekly rally. Police spokesman Elie Levy asked about the most significant use of police force at a protest since the outbreak of the October 7th war, denied any political influence from the national security minister on the conduct of the officers and the commanders. He told Khan a small group of anti-government activists go to places where police have authorized demonstrations by the families of the captives. When a traffic thoroughfare in Tel Aviv is blocked, his officers have to open it. He said any complaints will be investigated. Meanwhile, protesters demanded that the current government resign and have blamed Prime Minister Netanyahu for the hamas led attack on October 7th. Here are some of the protesters. The government
0: has failed. It needs to go. We need a new government we need new people new leadership someone that counts us in that thinks about us not just about themselves basically
2: that's it today in the Israeli Parliament the Knesset I've been there a few times each time each time I'm there I want to vomit when I was young the people there was people that I can be proud of them now they took the shallow people, the... I don't, have, I don't even have words for what I see there. Very, very low-life people. And they are supposed to lead my country.
5: We believe that now is the time for a new person to come and actually reunite us as we want and take care of the citizens and take care of everything that needs to be taken care of right now instead of this extreme government who
1: just doesn't do its job. Some of the protesters against the government at their rally in Tel Aviv last night. U.S. comedian Michael Rappaport, an outspoken advocate for the release of the hostages, says that American Jews and Americans in general must understand that they, too, could be the targets of extremist terrorists. Speaking at last night's rally by captives' families in Tel Aviv, Rapaport decried what he said was the abandonment of the families by the international institutions that should be helping them. It makes me sick that you have had to beg the people whose job it is
6: to bring them home. It makes me sick. The UN, the Red Cross, the Hague, they have abandoned you. They should be ashamed of themselves. You all deserve better. And I want to remind everybody that it's not just Israeli citizens. There are American citizens and there are citizens from over 29 countries that are still in Gaza after 141 days. I know that you families would do anything to bring your loved one home, and I wish I could do something to help. I keep asking myself, what can I possibly do? What more is there to do? I know it isn't a lot, but I just try to come here and be as supportive as I possibly can And touch you and listen to you and I hope you know that despite some of the shit we see on social media there's plenty of people that are with you and that feel you and that are thinking about you and sending love and strength and praying for you every single day this is the this is only the second time in my life that I've been to Israel my wife and I came here two months ago but when we saw what happened on the seventh And we saw how the world responded. We knew that this is where we had to be to come here to talk to you, to hear your stories, to cry with you, to rage with you, and to join in the release, the immediate release of every single hostage, now akshav. Every hostage should be freed, akshav. I want to take a moment to speak directly to the Jewish people in America here. It could have been any one of us. It could have been any one of the Jewish people in America. You may think that's crazy because you've never been to Israel or you aren't involved in the politics of the Middle East or some other reason. It is time to wake up. Up. They don't care where you live, whether you go to synagogue or what your politics are. They hate all of us. And if they had a chance, they would do to Americans what they did here in Israel on October 7th. Every American of every faith, ethnicity and political leaning needs to wake up. Realize there is no excuse for the brutal, violent atrocities that Hamas Committed on October 7th, and they continue to commit against innocent people that are still in Gaza right now I challenge all of you that are questioning Whether or not it happened or what side is on to be thinking to be a feeling human being who recognizes that pulling mothers fathers Holocaust surviving grandparents and children from their homes on a peaceful Saturday morning is unacceptable anytime ever. There's no excuse, there's no rationale, and there's certainly no context. If you don't wake up, you are making this a more dangerous world. You're sending a message that terrorism should be excused. There is no excuse to what you people have went through no excuse for what you people are feeling right now that murder the rape torture abduction is inexcusable so people in america remember next time it won't just be israel it can be you and your family that will also be Fair game. Join me to scream, yell, demand, argue, harass until all of these innocent people come home. Every single one of them. The hostages need to come home now. Akshav, I love you guys. I'm thinking about you guys. I'm Israel Tai.
1: U.S. comedian and actor Michael rappaport in Tel Aviv last night. Former Prime Minister Barak is calling for Israelis to besiege the Knesset. In an interview with Army Radio this morning, Barack heavily criticized the Netanyahu government's inaction and failure to take accountability. Barack was quoted as saying that 30,000 citizens need to camp outside the Knesset day and night and must do so until Netanyahu understands that his time is up and the public no longer trusts him. We'll have more news coming up, including a report about where to go to on the upcoming national day off for municipal elections. But first, this song, Nefilati, by Raj Lavan. (laughs)
7: Donne filati Ra Sofi wa yom atkhil khourban kol da wal kare lamb <laughs> so People who like to be
1: The U.S. and Great Britain attacked multiple Houthi targets, answering a recent surge in attacks by the Iranian-backed militia group on ships in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden, including a missile strike this past week that set fire to a cargo vessel. According to U.S. officials, American and British fighter jets hit sites in eight locations targeting missiles, launchers, rockets, drones, and air defense systems. This is the fourth time that the U.S. and British militaries have conducted a combined operation against the Houthis since January 12th. But the U.S. has also been carrying out almost daily strikes to take out Houthi targets, including incoming missiles and drones aimed at ships as well as weapons that were prepared to launch. The United States would not hesitate to take action as needed to defend lives in the free flow of commerce in one of the world's most critical waterways, said U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. We will continue to make clear to the Houthis that they will bear the consequences if they do not stop their illegal attacks. The Houthis denounced the U.S.-British aggression, and in their words, and vowed to keep up its military operation in response. The Yemeni armed forces affirmed that they will confront the U.S.-British escalation with more qualitative military operations against all hostile targets in the Red and Arabian Seas. In defense of our country, our people, and our nation, it said in a statement. Back here at home, we had violence in the Arab society and a criminal shooting in Um al-Faham. One person was killed and several others injured. Police say a gunman opened fire on a car and struck the passengers inside. The Al-Arabiya Network reports that members of the Palestinian Authority government will submit letters of resignation next week as a step toward the establishment of a technocratic cabinet. According to the report, Palestinian Authority leader Mahmoud Abbas is expected to name a prime minister as Prime Minister Mohammed Mustafa, a member of the PLO Executive Committee, who is currently head of the Palestinian Investment Fund. Now an early look at our midway headlines. Talks and hostage deal resume in Qatar. Prime Minister Netanyahu says that the IDF will invade Rafah, and if a hostage deal is reached, the operation would only be delayed a little. Finance Minister Patalos Motrich says he will oppose any hostage deal hostage deal that would end the war. IDF Sergeant Oz Daniel, whose body was kidnapped in the October seventh massacre, was declared dead and a funeral was held for him at the military cemetery in Kvarsaba israeli airstrikes target hezbollah fighters near the syrian border as rockets and drones penetrate israeli skies from lebanon defense minister yoav Gallant says the strikes on hezbollah would continue even if there was a ceasefire reached in the gaza strip and the weather slightly warmer Municipal elections are taking place across the country this Tuesday. It's a national holiday and a great excuse to get out into nature and enjoy some of Israel's natural beauty, particularly now as the flowers begin to bloom. Karen Kayam at Lisrael, the Jewish National Fund, has readied its forests for visitors. We spoke with Michael Sprinstein, a forest engineer for the Western Negev in the Karen Kayam at Lisrael, JNF, about some suggested places to visit now. This
5: is the most beautiful season to to be out alone with the family, with the friends. You know, we, we just passed the rains and the air is clean. Everything is green. Mm. The, the 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 weather is shining and the landscape is shining, actually. So, Kakal, um, uh, you know, uh, announced a lot of places to visit. And as you probably know all of all of them open for the public 24/7 365 mm. okay and most of them with no church okay and uh, the announcement that uh, f- that 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 Kakal published uh, included several places in in different parts of the country i just picked up two okay. to recommend specifically all right one in the north and one in the center south Okay. Uh, more more or less, the northern uh, side will be the Jordan Park. Uh, Wh- which
1: one? The chosen?
5: The Jordan Park.
1: Oh, the Jordan Park. Okay. Jordan
5: Park. Yeah, it's a few kilometers north uh, east from uh, Kinneret. Right. And um, this is a big park along along the stream along the along the river. So you can enjoy the, 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 the running water and uh, you can stay there overnight with bathroom and showers and uh, many picnic areas and very special trees that planted in a very special, special way along the, the banks of the river. OK, it's, it's always beautiful and, and nice.
1: Well, no, I want to ask you a question. though. Know, there has been so much rain this winter. Is it very yeah. muddy or is it uh, accessible? The paths are accessible.
5: Yeah, I think it's as accessible now. Okay, we we passed the rain, uh, the rains several days ago, so it should be it should be quiet. Okay, sure. and another another side that I personally very much like is the Masoa forest. Masoa forest is located on uh, Judean uh, lowland. Mm-hmm. It's actually a, a classical mature pine forest on top of the uh, 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 on top of the mountain and uh, we have a fire lookout on top of it which is uh, which we use to to observe the fires during the fire season in the summer mm-hmm. and if the day is clean enough from the top of the mountain mountain you can see the 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 the, the sea even Ashkelon and Tel Aviv from uh to the to the west and to the east several archaeological and historical sites related to King David and the Ayala Valley that spans uh, beneath the mountain and go to and then climbs up to to Jerusalem so I would personally recommend these two sites and even I live in the south I visit there in both of them, several times a year, and you know, and quite enjoyable.
1: The Musoa forest is absolutely gorgeous. I happen to live in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, a beautiful okay. place, and lots of places to travel and visit archaeology, and forest, and flowers, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, exactly. but let, let, me, let me ask you another question. I mean, has the war had any impact on the JNF forest and places to visit? Uh,
5: yeah, definitely, how couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, most of those places are close to, to the public, to general public, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, and you cannot visit, uh, whether it's in the south, all this Gaza Strip uh, surroundings, okay, the Western Negev, right. or up in Galilee. Like Biria and even mm-hmm. farther north, okay, mm-hmm. the, the, the places are closed. So some of them are closed, and some of them, you know, very not recommended to visit uh, to visit now because that they uh, occupied by occupied. Sorry, that's no, not
1: I, a, that's I, a good I know. One, that you know. <laughs> yes, there, there I know that the JNF is takes care of the parks very well and everything. But uh, you want to say a word about uh, picking your garbage with you?
5: Yeah, you should definitely, you know, that uh, as I mentioned, that the, the forests and the parks are open to are open to the public uh, all over the year, and we clean them, and and uh, it took a lot of effort for for our people to 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 keep it clean. So uh, we usually ask, and you use this uh, platform to ask to take a garbage with you, and do do not leave, please, uh, all that. Um, but all this garbage uh, that that um, that um, you know usually left in the forest usually sometimes left in the forest
1: now the whole country is going to be on vacation there'll be a lot of people out in the parks yeah. and in the forest uh, but there's so much room i don't think they'll be crowded right
5: yeah yeah but and we are always there okay you can find always find a uh, the, the forester or 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 people who are responsible for 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 the public relation over there in the forest so you can ask questions and 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 uh, get the recommendations on site.
1: Okay, thanks so much for joining Khan English News. Uh,
5: thank you very much for having me.
1: Michael Sprinstein, a force engineer for the Western Negev, for Karen at Israel, the Jewish National Fund. Stay tuned for more news, but first this song, San Diego by Alicia Banai.
7: I'm going to go to the house. i i to 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 no, 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 i <laughs> i
1: To the White House and the race for to, to the United States in the race for the White House, former U.S. President Donald Trump won the South Carolina Republican Republican Party presidential nomination primary, defeating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state. Trump took sixty percent of the vote to Haley's forty percent. A current reporter says that while Haley declared she is not pulling out of the race, her chances of winning the party nomination are nil. Trump says he's waiting to tell U.S. President Joe Biden, "You're fired." Here excerpts from their speeches last night. First Trump, followed by Haley. Wow, that is really something. This was a little sooner
8: than we anticipated. It was an even bigger win than we anticipated. And I was just informed that we got double the number of votes that has ever been received in the great state of South Carolina so that's pretty good so it's a record times two and there's something going on in the country some really great things are going on but now there's a spirit that I have never seen we ran two great races but there's never been ever there's never been a spirit like this and I just want to say that I have never seen the Republican Party so unified as it is right now never been like this right now we're a laughing stock all over the world our country is going to be respected again respected like never before and we're going to be up here on november 5th and we're going to look at joe biden and we're going to look him right in the eye he's destroying our country and we're going to say joe you're fired get out get out joe you're fired
3: I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory. And I want to thank the people of South Carolina for using the power of your voice. No matter the results, I love the people of our state. There are huge numbers of voters in our Republican primaries who are saying they want an alternative. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm a woman of my word. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden.
1: That's Nikki Haley. In Berlin this afternoon, dozens of Israel supporters demonstrated in front of the screening of the pro Palestinian film There Is No Other Country, which won the Best Documentary award. One of the creators of the film, the Israeli director Yuval Avraham, did not mention the abductees and the October 7th massacre in his speech. <laughs> Musical pieces inspired by folk music shape the Tel Aviv Soloist Ensemble's current concert program, the third performance of which will be February 29th in Acho. The Ensemble is joined by a reunion of the Jerusalem Trio and Soprano Shani Oshri for a program featuring works by Beethoven Baltuk Mozart and a new original work by Israeli composer Daniel Akiva, dedicated to Oshri, whose style incorporates artistic singing, technique with folk singing traditions. Oshri oh, spoke to our reporter, Naomi Segel.
9: It's really some unique concert. Uh, we ha- already have two concerts, one in Haifa and one in Tel Aviv, in the Hala Talbot, Tel Aviv. And we have another one in Accra in the 29th of February. And about the piece, I'm really excited to talk about it because it's written specially to me and it's a world premiere, actually. This is
0: Little Sister by Daniela Kiva.
9: Yes, it's called Achot Ktana" in Hebrew, and it's a very famous song. Uh, They read it in the synagogue in Rosh Hashanah. And tell us a bit about the work. The work uh, was actually amazing because I know Daniela Kiva, the composer, for, I believe, 10 or 15 years. I met him when I was a little child who just started to learn voice and um, how to sing. And three years ago, um, we met again and we started to work about uh, an album. We released an album, a Psalms album, that he finds some really rare songs and songs from synagogue that came from Saloniki and you can't find any records of this sound. So this is the first time that anyone sing it like in professional and um, make an album of this. And after this work about the album, he decided to write me a piece with an orchestra because he believed this music deserved to have the best of the best, and after he uh, writes this beautiful music, he went to Barak Tal, the conductor, and asked him to to perform with this piece. And Barak also fall in love in the music and in the world and in the in the Trump, of course. And we started to work about it. Now this
0: piece, it actually, it's in a way. The format in which the this ancient text is presented, it's an integration of musical traditions, much in a way that you yourself as an artist has developed.
9: Definitely. I can talk about me singing this music. I am a Sephardic woman singing psalms um, on a famous and legendary stage. And this, this genre, this ethnic genre, it's combined and bringing my Sephardic music uh, tradition that I grew up with uh, to the classical orchestra, to the classical music. I am bringing new genre, kind of fusion. It's a, I call it like classical ethnic music. It's something that's never done before. How did you find this musical voice for yourself? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this is a very great uh, question because I grew up in uh, between two worlds. My parents divorced when I was very little. And my father became an ultra-Orthodox man. And in Shabbat dinner, my father, he started to teach me how to sing songs, and how to sing holy songs. And I really, really liked it. And this is the point that I find my voice there. But I didn't find my way in the ultra-Orthodox life. But I wanted to sing so deeply. So, um, I went to a voice lesson, and suddenly I became an opera singer. No, <laughs> uh, it, took, it took time, but I decided to have a degree in the Buchmann uh, Meta School of Music in the University of Tel Aviv, and when I finished the degree, I started my career as an opera singer. But I understand that I really longed in, deeply missing my roots and my passion to sing songs and to sing spiritual music, but I also fall in love in the classical music. And and it took me like a very good three years of uh, try to find myself and try to find my voice. But then I, I believe now I find it. And I'm ready to present it.
0: So is there an existing repertoire? Um, as you mentioned, this piece actually perhaps could be an example of that. Or is it... Ha- how you you choose to sing certain classical pieces in a certain presentation that reflects these different parts of you?
9: It may be sound a cliche, but I believe that I didn't decide to do it. It just choose. I I was choosing to do it. It it just happened and I, I can't and I can't really say in words how it's happened because it's it's, it's my life story. It's what my father teach me and what I learned in the university and what this composer, Daniela, Daniela Kiva, decided to write to me. He really, I, I can't think about any other composer who can write this piece and write this music for me. Now you will be performing here in Israel.
0: You're actually living now in Germany. What is the experience, especially in these times performing abroad? Do you feel that impact, uh, when you're performing abroad?
9: Of course. I actually moved one month before, um, before the 7th of October. So I didn't have time to feel the energy of living as a a, um, singer, a Jew singer in Europe. So everything I'm doing now, is connected to the 7th of October. Everything I'm doing now is for the hostages. I'm singing in some um, demonstration for um, uh, release the hostages and I'm in a solidarity um, concert for Israel. And it's crazy because the security, sometimes it scares me. And most of the concert, I'm afraid that someone could hurt me. But I also find it very um, relaxing that I can do something to help this situation.
1: Soprano Shani Oshri, who will be appearing on February 29th, Leap Day, with the Tel Aviv Soloist Ensemble. More information can be found at soloist.co.il. Charlie Biton, a former Knesset member and founder of the Black Panthers activist movement from Mizrahi rights, died over the weekend. He was 76. The Mavic politician was known for his struggle for the downtrodden, the poor immigrants and workers. He served in the Knesset from 1977 on a list of Black Panthers and Hadash Communist Party. He served until retiring in 1992. He was buried today in Jerusalem's Har HaMenuchot. Well, in honor of Charlie Biton, here's Portis Sakharov's song... Panther Shachor, Black Panther.
7: I'll get more I iraa hati Mas am a Zemagia, I'm a Pooh. I'm a We should know that we can't stop. Why is this happening to us?
1: taking a look at the weather and it will be slightly warmer tomorrow. Tuesday colder and local rain is forecast from the north to the Negev. Temperatures forecast for tonight and tomorrow, Jerusalem 7 to 18, Tel Aviv 13 to 20, Haifa 13 to 19, Tzfat 8 to 15, Tiberias 11 to 22, 'er Beersheba 10 to 22, and the Neilat from 12 tonight going up to 25 degrees centigrade tomorrow. Now another look at the major news headlines. Talks on a hostage deal resume in Qatar. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says that the IDF will invade Rafah and if a hostage deal is reached, the operation would only be delayed a little. Finance Minister Betelos-Motred says he will oppose any hostage deal that would end the war. IDF Sergeant Oz Daniel, whose body was kidnapped in the October 7th massacre, was declared dead and a funeral was held for him at the military cemetery in Kfar Saba. Israeli airstrikes target Hezbollah fighters as rockets and drones penetrate Israeli skies from Lebanon. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant says the strikes on Hezbollah would continue even if there was a ceasefire reached in the Gaza Strip and the weather slightly warmer. That's the news. Join us again tomorrow night at 8 p.m. on Khan Reka, the foreign languages channel of the Israeli Public Broadcasting Corporation. Watch our 2 p.m. newsflash on the Khan English Facebook page, or you can write to us at khanenglish at khan.org.il. Together with sound engineer Ronan Dahan, this is Aryeh O'Sullivan wishing you a good evening and shalom from Jerusalem.